Sometimes you just got to breathe it in. Breathe into the push. I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> Brings back such great memories. That was a poop joke, everybody. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap. I'm John. I'm Justin. Happy fucking New Year. New Year. It's 2018. In the New Year. Nice and clean. In the New Year. Who, you know what we're going to talk about today? Uh, we're not going to talk about fucking goals and New Year's resolutions because fuck that shit. Right. We already covered that too. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody cares. No. I was like, my New Year's resolution. I don't give a shit. Yeah. It's like someone asked me, "What's your What's your New Year's resolution?" And I go, "No." Yeah. <laughs> I said, "I was like, I don't do those." No. Yeah. And nor would I tell you if that were the case because you're not my dad, and I don't expect you to hold me to it. Right. So. And if you know where my dad is, yeah, please tell me because I haven't seen him for 38 years. Yeah. And I'm 34. Yeah. Do that math. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I never had a dad to teach me fucking math. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah. I'm just joking. I, uh, hey, Dad, what's up? What's up, Daddy? Um, yeah, I saw so many people like, my New Year's resolution is this. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. It was just really obnoxious. Or the one per- the people who, who put the, uh, they put like the, the little, uh, you know, graphic mm-hmm. background and they're like, in the, co- or comment on your New Year's resolution. And then everyone <laughs> just, just pops them in there. And I'm like, yeah. no, I won't. And the people who I loved were the people who are like, I don't do resolutions. I'm like, I love you. I'm liking that one. Yeah. That gets a thumbs if up I from this them, guy. I wouldn't be fucking posting him on Facebook. No. I know. We, we 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 talked about this last episode. We don't need to get into it again. Yeah. I won't do it. I won't. Even though we just did. Yeah. So you're welcome. Yeah. Yep. It's another new year. It's weird to already type 2018 in places. <laughs> have so. you fucked it up yet? No, I haven't had a chance Two to write it. Two days in, have you fucked uh, it up? Nope. Probably will, though. Yeah. Like, oh, that's right. It's 2018. Yeah, that's going to be weird. But it's so funny because at one point, 2017 seems like a distant memory. Right? Like 2016 felt like that. Yeah. At some point, I'm like, whoa, 2016. Like, that was so long ago. Yeah. Two days. And I was like. <laughs> 48 whole hours. It's like, whoa. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward to um, some movies. You know, Black Panther, Infinity yep. War. Yep. Uh, I feel like there's some other ones. Uh, Ready Player One. There's definitely some other ones. Uh, there will be other movies out this year. Not looking forward to the Han Solo movie. <laughs> But we'll see. You don't know that yet? We'll check a trailer no, out. No, you do know that you're not looking forward to it, mm-hmm. but you, your mind could be changed. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so we got that to, to look forward to. Right. But more importantly, talking about Facebook yes. and things that people post ah, yes. that make you feel a certain way, mm-hmm. let's talk about quarter life crisis. So Doug and I have tried for about a month now, maybe more, to get to, to actually talk about this topic. But in true mind gap fashion, we've we've mind gapped ourselves yes. and talked ourselves out of it because we'll just get into another topic. Yes. So last time we were, I told Doug, I was like, you know what we need to do right up front? Just say, hey guys, quarter life crisis. We're locked in now. We're doing it. We're talking about it. We're doing it. What would be awesome if right now we just deviated yep. <laughs> and did not at all touch on it. Exactly. But quarter life crisis. So Justin, you brought this up to me. What is a quarter life crisis? Because all I've heard about most of my life is... Uh, midlife crisis. Right. I was so, just about to say half-life crisis, I was like, Wait. which is when the nuclear fallout is not 
degrading quick enough. Or you're, That's a Half-Life crisis. Or you're playing the game Half-Life, and then all of a sudden the electricity goes out and your game didn't save. Right, that's, that's a, a Half-Life, Half-Life crisis. crisis. Exactly. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> Why does it keep doing this to me, too? That's terrible. Okay, hold on. We're going to get back into this real quick. Um, so, uh, quarter-life crisis. Uh, midlife crisis, obviously, you get about halfway through your life, about 40 or so is the typical range. And you feel, oh, my God, oh, my God, things I haven't accomplished, blah, I need to do this, and all my dreams, I had dreams when I was younger, remember being young, my hip, blah. And then and you a just, dude goes out and buys, like, a sports car. Right, buys a sports car, he has an affair, fucks someone younger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, gets hair, you know, plugs, whatever, you know. The typical Typical, sort of your, your of... stereotypical shit, yeah. So uh, the new, it's not new, people have been talking about quarter-life crises for a while, but People have also been uh, poo-pooing them because it's, oh, what do you fucking kids know about <laughs> crisis? And now with the millennials and everything, with the, you know, the that generation catching all the flack the past couple of years, even more, oh, fuck you, millennials, you're a quarter-life crime. Bleh. So, bleh. Bleh. but uh, there's a LinkedIn article that came up, and I'll read a little bit here. According to LinkedIn research, 75% of 25 to 33-year-olds have experienced a quarter-life crisis, often related to feeling as if they were at a crossroads in their career. Men and women alike have experienced it, 73% and 76% respectively, with 85% of those uh, in arts and culture having a quarter-life crisis, followed yeah. closely by IT and telecoms, Interesting. which is completely... Polar opposite. I, would I bet say. I would get it though because that's where the money is. Right. So, so they people chase try to that. get in it, right. and then they're like, "I fucking hate this." So that's interesting because you look at you look at uh, for the same reason, opposite sides of the same coin are having that quarter life crisis. The yep. arts and culture who have pursued their dreams but are in financial despair. Yep. And then the people who have pursued the money but have had no creative, no nothing of their dreams have been realized. You know, both feeling that same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 85% was the election culture. IT and telecoms, 84%. Um, the average age of a quarter-life crisis is 27 years old. And globally, this is not an American thing, nearly 80% of those aged 25 to 33 have felt under pressure to succeed in relationships, career, or finances before hitting 30. And finding a job or career that they have been passionate about is the top reason this age group feels anxious. So now with that being said, I, I my question would still be what defines a quarter-life crisis? When you're saying crisis, to me that is uh, a measurable thing. Like a crisis is the thing you can you can actually put like a like parameters around. Really? You feel right? like that I feel like it's more abstract. You think a crisis certain, like in general when you say oh there's a crisis happening. I, it seems like pretty intense, like a crisis being like the wildfires okay out in, you know, whatever. I think it might be I mean, obviously, there's different perspectives and yes. spectrums here, but obviously a crisis in that, I guess, how would you define it for quarter life? Oh, I mean, I f- I, well, first of all, have you? do you feel like you've experienced this? I, so, the, yes, I feel like... Uh, before we define it? Before we define it, yeah. And maybe we don't even define it. Maybe you don't, we don't need to. I mean, just it's just that feeling of... I guess that would... Be, so, yes, I have felt what I guess I would consider a quote-unquote quarter-life crisis. Um, and... My, I guess the better question would be, again, going back to defining the crisis, what is a what what puts it into crisis mode as opposed to just you're thinking about this a lot? Do I you know think, what I mean? I think it's it's almost paralyzing. Okay, like something that is it's either it's like a defining moment where you realize I'm not where 
I'm quote unquote supposed to be, or I'm not where I want to be, or I'm super unhappy. But that realization or, is not necessarily paralyzing. Again, paralyzing makes it sound like it, like you are unable to function as an as a human being at that point. Well, I think it changes your behavior. Okay. I guess is I guess is a better way of looking at it. not maybe not necessarily paralyzing, but all of a sudden you're like, it's kind of you know to quote someone I spoke with today, um, she had gotten breast cancer, and she was in a job that she hated. And after she, once she got cancer, she was like, you know what? What the fuck am I doing? Right. Why am I doing this job? I hate this. I'm out. Right. It was like it took something profound for her to be like, life's too short for this right. sort of situation. So, you know, short of getting cancer and then realizing you hate your job, um, I would probably look at it as something um, where I think a lot of it actually, I, I will go back and say um, it may be, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, I think it... It's symptomatic and it's brought on by the fact of social media these days. So that's interesting you say that because nearly half of the respondents said they felt anxious when comparing themselves to others. See, I feel like the midlife crisis existed prior because Facebook didn't exist before. Right. So you really couldn't see how other people were doing. But then these people would go back to the 20-year high school reunion, sure. see what the fuck everyone else is up to and go, oh my God, if they weren't on the good end of the spectrum. Right. And then they come back home and like, Jesus. Kevin's doing so well. You know, he he married Sheila. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, that's where that stuff happens. Where now, you know, you're constantly seeing that stuff to, no matter what. Like, on every social media platform. Right. And you're constantly being bombarded by it. And you're constantly trying to look at that versus what you're doing. And that could be absolutely just detrimental. Which, which is also why I don't think I think class reunions are going to go by the wayside, or That's have been point. going by the wayside. I mean, yeah. I we had our ten year reunion, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, a few. Years. You sure did. I'm trying to think. Yeah, because we're coming up on our fifteen years, so it was five mm -hmm. five years ago. We had, and I didn't go to it because for that reason, I was like, I don't, I don't have anything. I haven't accomplished shit. Like. Really? I'm so looking at, you were like, I'm going to pass because of that? Yeah. I was like, I don't need to. I mean, and the other thing I thought was I, I even five years ago, it wasn't the same as it is now because, you know, with Instagram and with like all the like th social media in five years has, when you think about five years ago where social media was and where it is now, it has come so much even further than it was than, than five years ago. Yeah. But even then I was like, I kind of, I, I, most of the people who I would want to see there, I'm, I can follow what they're doing on Facebook. It would be cool to see them in person, but at the same time, I did have that feeling of, oh man, this one guy that I know is uh, he's a is a uh, manager, promotional manager for bands, mm -hmm. you know specifically. Oh crap! I th I want to say I uh, see now. I'm like, uh, is it the Lumineers or the, someone? The Illuminati. Is it the, is it the Illuminati? Right. Yeah. I mean, and and their greatest hit we're watching. Yeah. Um. But no, I think I think it's it's I can't remember who it is. But I think their hit was "Keep on Knocking, But You Can't Come In." Right, that's exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. It was a chart topper. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I see that, and I'm like, oh man, he's posting backstage photos from following this band around, and I'm like, holy, sh like living in L.A. and this great it, what what appears to be this great life, mm -hmm. and some other people who had you know been buying houses and families and this and this and this, and I was like, I I don't have anything to show for myself. So I'm going to skip that. And I feel like at that point was kind of when I started to feel what the fuck is, what, what the fuck am I doing right now? I, yeah. I, I felt really lost. I don't know if I've ever had, I want to revise my answer. I don't know if I've ever had a quarter life crisis. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever been in a, 
paralyzing, yeah. a paralyzed state because of it. I have definitely been in a quarter life, what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. Uh, or the quarter life, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Yeah. But never a crisis per se. I would say uh, the 20s, your 20s suck. At least right. they did for me. Yeah. Like, my 20s were fucking terrible. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of reality coming in. Yeah. Like a, a giant wave yeah. and just messing up my world because, as I've, we've talked about prior, like things just kind of worked out for me through all the way through college. Like, I didn't really have a lot of trials and tribulations. I just was like happy go lucky because things just kind of happened and they worked. So when I got into my 20s, and I was like, yeah, this music thing's just going to work somehow. I'll just, right. you know, not that I just didn't work hard or something. I just assumed everything was going to work. And then I, I met barriers. And I met like points where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. And it's like, okay, well, then you can't do this. And it's right. like, oh, wait, what? Or right. I'm not good at this, so I can't do that. It's like, wait, what? And then, of course, I got stuck at the hotel for six years and couldn't get out. Right. And I remember there was this clearly <laughs> defined moment towards the end of my career at the hotel where I was at a Bears game with uh, one of my friends from college, and it w- I was there with him and his wife, and I met his soon-to-be wife at that time. I met her dad, who was like a okay. retired police chief. Okay. My friend from college, uh, physical therapist, his wife, physical therapist, Jill, HR manager, Doug... I work at the front desk at a hotel. Right. You're like, yeah. And that was the first time I was like, he, cause, and her dad's like, so what do you guys do? It's just like looking around. Yeah. I'm like, I work at a hotel. Oh yeah. What do you do? I work at the front desk. I was like, yeah, I fucking hate this. Right. Like it's, it's, it was embarrassing yeah. and it was frustrating because I didn't want to be in that job. Right. But it's like, you know, like I just, it was just so frustrating because I, I, I didn't know what to show. Right, I right. You, I, that, Not that you have to prove anything to anybody. No, you, know? you don't owe anyone anything. But it it's for yourself. I think it's a it's a very sobering experience when <clears throat> you have that feeling because mm-hmm. you're it it forces you. And I don't know if this is it's it's a social thing. I don't know if, if this is again like we're just automatically wired to compare ourselves with everyone else or why, why is it embarrassing? But I think it, it's a very sobering thing to have happen when you're in that situation and you're like, Oh wow, you've got success. You've had success. You've had success. You've had success. You are currently in success. What the hell am I doing? Like what, how did I, what did I miss? Yeah. What, where did I, where did I misstep that I'm not, there. What we talked about in the last podcast too is like what we consider success in general is varies from person sure. to person. Like we talked about your friend who's a barista in Seattle, yeah, in in their thirties and they fucking love it, right? Average person would be like, "You're a failure," whereas that person's like, "No, I'm happy doing what I'm doing." Right. My mom would one hundred percent judge someone like that. Right. So a lot of those. And to be quite frank, when I see all the stuff that she posts. I'm like, you've got a fucking awesome life. <laughs> like, <laughs> she fucking is killing it out there. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah. I, I think we get away from the aspect of what makes you happy versus how, what do you, how are you supposed to be. Like, right. Everyone's supposed to go to college. If you don't go to college, you're a fuck up. Right. You know, which is 100% not true. Which we know true. how I feel on that. Yeah, 100% not true. Right. Um, you know, if you don't have this job that, you know, it's funny because I kind of fall into those traps for a little bit. Like, oh, I do too. Like it's where people are like, where do you to. work? Oh, 
I work in the Hancock building. I'm like, mm, it's pretty swanky. You right. Know? Like, I can give a shit. Who cares where you work? Right. Like, it's, I work in a building. It's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you do that defines you. Right. Um, you so know, instead of saying where you work, saying what you're, what you get to do every day, that's where, that's yeah. where you should focus because it's getting to do what you do every day is what you love doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And in that, I'm speaking for you specifically. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and and you know, it also gets to the point where um, you know I'm long past the point now of really giving a shit about what's going on on Facebook. Sure. For that sort of stuff, so I I'm like whatever, you know, because you also realize too, you know, I think you've just defined this a couple of times, which is um, you're comparing everyone's A roll to your B roll. Yeah. You're, because, you're comparing everyone else's highlight reel to yeah. your B-roll. Because you're not seeing the good and the bad, the ugly. You're right. seeing whatever someone wants you to see or what right. they allow you to see. So There have been countless articles done on that, too, talking about studies, about how you know people curate their feeds to be just so and ju- mm-hmm. just see this and that. And there have been even some YouTubers. One of, one of my favorite YouTubers, Casey Neistat, talks about... Um, because he did, he would do like a Q and A session on his on his vlog, and he would talk about like people people ask like you have such a great life, how did you? Get? And he's like, you guys don't understand. You're seeing a edited ten minute clip from twenty four hours. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is ten minutes out of twenty four hours that I have taken little bits here and there and mashed it together. Yeah, like that's not that's not my life. Like he goes, I, of course I'm going to present the best stuff because it's supposed to make you feel good. Yeah, like that's the purpose of this is so you enjoy and get to go. Oh, that made me feel good, and it's supposed sure. to lift you up. He goes, but if you you don't see the fights I have with my wife, you don't see my baby crying, you don't see the arguments I have at work, you don't see me struggling to figure out how to run this company, you don't see like he was like, there's a ton of shit that you don't see, and you're not gonna see because you don't need to see it. It's almost I'd almost compared it to a romantic comedy or a. Like a movie that just sets those unrealistic expectations on how these relationships are supposed to go because people will look and see all these great things and they're like, well, my life's not like that. I don't have photos of like the beach. Right. I don't have, you know, these funny quips or these funny quotes from these interactions with people. You know, I don't have, you know, any of this sort of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but there's also gaps in that story as well. You're not seeing everything. Like, you know, like you said, everyone takes painful shits. I, you know? uh, if there's one thing I will give Dane Cook, it's that bit mm-hmm. where he's like, everyone takes painful shits. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going through a lot of that same stuff. And sometimes it's just, I think that's also what leads to people like wanting people to fail because they see someone else fail and they're like, ah, right. see, ah, I failed too. And they're failing to them and they were better than I am. So fuck them. Right. You know, it kind of humanizes them you, a little bit. Yeah. And it makes you feel like there's, you have a chance. Yeah. Like, well, if they succeeded and they failed, and I fail, maybe I'll succeed. Yeah. Maybe maybe there's there's possibilities for both in everyone's world. Yeah. And it sucks that you that as a society we kind of f- feel that certain people need to be brought down because they're too successful. Sure. Like it's build you up, build you up, build you up. But we've built you up too much. Now we need to tear you down, tear you down. Great, you've come down just enough. Now build you up, build you up. And it's this weird uh, policing that we do. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's. Uh, I I don't know how my daughter's going to handle this stuff, you know, as she gets older. Because I can only imagine what it's like, you know, being a teenager and having access to all this and seeing what all your friends are doing, who they're hanging out with, who they're checking in with. 
and they've got boyfriends, they've got girlfriends, they've got. If adults are dealing with that, oh, so and so's got in a healthy relationship, my marriage just fell apart, or so and so has kids and I don't, or so and so. I can't even imagine when you're in the midst of your hormones are raging uh, and you can't figure things out. And who am I? And then you have to deal with oh, so and so has a boyfriend, so and so's. You know, uh, holding hands with this guy, or they went to the movies, or a dinner, or whatever they got. You know, they got the latest thing, or whatever. Yeah, that's even that's got to be exponentially harder. I'm so glad that we did not have to deal with Ugh, that. Me too. So glad. Yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. Yeah, with that sort of stuff. Hopefully, something will evolve past wherever we are in that amount of time, but I doubt it. Um, but yeah, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it's so tough to just look at everyone else's successes. Because I say successes in quotes because, you know, it's easy for me now because I'm happy with what I do. But um, there, w- there was always a, there was a time where I'm just looking around, seeing other people doing different stuff. And, you know, especially there was one guy in particular, I think, of from high school who started his own financial planning business. I'm like, that makes perfect sense. That guy was so good at math. Right. Like, I'm so happy for him. But then also just because he found his strengths that sure. he was putting to use and helping people. I'm like, God damn it. Like, I wish there was something like that. You know that I could do, and it gets really challenging to see that stuff, and and, and to think, man, why aren't I successful? And it just goes down to all the stuff that we consider, you know, what's successful and what's not. And I really don't like a lot of that. You know, yeah. what 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 is a measurement of success? Yeah, yeah I. I it, it's a, it's a very arbitrary concept um, because to each person, success. Varies so greatly, and especially yeah. if you're being true, if you're being honest with yourself, then then success varies so greatly. If you're not being honest, then there's this very homogenized opinion of what, or this homogenized view of what success looks like, and it's everyone's got this. Well, here's these metrics that you can measure it yeah. against, and if but if you're being honest with yourself, then success can come in so many fucking varieties, and yeah. you can have successes or wins in different areas. Like, yeah, you might not be winning in your job. But do you, are you in a happy relationship? Great. That's a success. Yeah. You know, did you get to, you know, go see this movie or want to, like, very small. Yeah, I went and saw it. And it was great. Great. Success. You went and, you mm-hmm. went and, enter- you, you went and had something for yourself, you know? Did you, it, it, these very small things, you know? Since we talked about how much we hate defining success, let's define success. Great. <laughs> to you. I just did. To you. <laughs> if someone is successful, what's going on for them? You look at someone, you you talk to him or whatever, and you you know, and you're leaving a party after talking to him, and you just turn you turn to me like Doug, man, that guy he he's he's got he's 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 a, he's a success. I would say if someone is able, uh, if they're happy and they're able to provide for themselves. Ooh, I like that. Like that's that's the two. Like if, and I think they kind of go part and parcel because if you're worried about providing. For yourself, where where's this? Where's the next thing going to come from? What, mm-hmm. How many days till payday? This and that. Then that I feel like that can detract. And this again, this could just be now. This this could be my. I could be putting too much personal spin on this, but that can detract from your happiness. Sure. Because you have to. You're you're in you're in worry all the time. So if you're happy, if you like what you're doing. Because then, conversely, you could not have to worry about what your how, what your next paycheck's coming from, or not have to worry about can I afford this or or whatever. But you could also be miserable. So Agreed. I think if if there's a balance there, that if you are taken care of and you're happy, just in general, like I'm very pleased with when I get up in the morning, I like what I'm about to do. Then I would say that's success to me. I like that. I think I would add to that on a larger scale that they also are an asset to society. 
Interesting. If okay. I'm sort of quote unquote judging them, okay, what benefit are you adding to society? Because someone who's happy and doesn't have to work because their parents are rich, are they providing value? <laughs> I would say no. Yeah, but have you seen their Instagram feed? Oh, it man. makes so many people happy. Dude, it's like, yeah, check out this. It's an asset. Yeah, check out all these assets that my parents own. Right. Um, look at these. Look at these assets. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogan talks about that a lot. How DNA. He used to follow someone, a chick on Instagram. All she did was just pictures of her ass. That's it. Yeah. And had seven million followers. Like, just, I mean, that's insane. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's that's all it was. Here's the thing, though. I can't falter because if she got seven million people to follow her, yeah, that's not on her. That's on those seven million people. She like, want to look at that ass, you know? So like, then she can monetize that. She can, you know, like because I, I think all you have to do is really have like about a million followers before brands will really start to look at you to promote their stuff. Like that's kind of what I've heard is the, like the low end metric. So yeah. seven million people, she could easily finance herself with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, asset, y'all. Boom. Boom. Uh, I think that they should be providing some sort of good or use to society because okay. I feel like if you're detracting from everyone else, but you're still happy and you're still making money, then I don't think that's a success. But what if you're not? What if you're not detracting from anyone? Because detracting to me is a very active statement. Sure. You're you're physically taking away from mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. So or if you're even, just even if you're just at neutral, yeah. I was like, well, what benefit are you providing to society? Because if you go back to the very basic levels, which kind of hard, I don't know if this is a fair comparison or not, but very basic levels of human success, mm-hmm. like someone can go out, hunt, kill an animal, bring it back, and provide food. Success. That person is successful. Sure. Nine days out of ten, they go out, they bring a, an animal back for food. Successful. Versus someone who's just hanging around the fire, doesn't even make the fire, just hangs out, eats the food, and is happy. But doesn't contribute. That person's not considered successful. That person's a mooch. So yeah, it, but there's they're a successful mooch. I, yeah, you they're mooching. That. They're mooching with the best of them. But they're not helping. Right. So because they don't help, because it'd be one thing if they're like, cool. While you guys are hunting, uh, I'm gonna clean this place up. I'm gonna make sure that the fires are good to go. Uh, I'm gonna have our supplies organized and ready. Um, I'll actually go out and replace whatever we used from the night before. Like that person's providing something to the group sure. so they're useful um you know someone else is like i'm gonna record the deeds that we do every day i'm gonna mark it down i'm gonna so that we have a story to tell when we're gone like i'm gonna mark all this stuff down like stuff like that like on that very basic level so obviously our lives are much more complex than mm-hmm. that now so i think that can vary on what sort of you know asset you're providing but i also think it's vague enough to include a lot of the things where sure. i might it's almost like what's a sport to some degree, like, are you providing any sort of asset to this, you know, right. society? Because to some degree, it's like, well, they're entertaining people, so it counts, you know. I think if somebody gets paid to play video games, I'm like, well, they're, they're paid. You know, the people are entertained. You know, people are showing up to watch. So, did you just argue your own point? What's that? Did you just argue yourself out of your own point? I don't think so. Like people so- playing video game, like. People not doing anything, just playing video games. You just argue that they are an asset. If they are, if they're getting, so they're getting paid, so they're taking care of themselves. They're having fun doing it, and they're providing something. 
which is entertainment. Right. But so the the kid like the the kids of Instagram. You've heard of the these have you seen these accounts? Oh, I think so. They're, Where it's they're just rich the, kids. the richy rich kids who just post their lavish lifestyle. People follow them and like looking at their feeds. Mm-hmm. So are they are I would argue, what's the sport? Are they are they providing anything back to society by providing <sighs> entertainment value? To some degree. See, that's where it's going to get murky it gets, yeah. is, is entertainment. And I feel like it should be vague for that reason because it entertains some people. They love to look at those photos. Right. Because if you discount entertainment, then yeah. you, or if you're discounting them, then that's a slope that, that goes into, well, what about people who make films for a living? You know, they're not doing anything. They're not they're not bringing the shit back. They're just providing some escape. Yeah. You know, which is is that helpful? Steph Curry. Right. Exactly. LeBron James. Right. You know, all those guys. I'm like, yeah, I would say they add some sort of value because they bring people together. Sure. Um, Almost to that tribal sense. You know, they're people get behind them and they're essentially going to war with the other tribe. Right. Right. You know, in some sort of game or whatever. It speaks to a very, uh, a very primal urge. Yeah, exactly. So. I think I think that's the most that's the most important thing for me is just someone who is providing something. Yeah. Because obviously, if you're detracting, you're an asshole. <laughs> and if you're not doing anything, then you're a mooch. Right. That's kind of how I look at it. Even if you're, you know, a billionaire and you're like, I'm not mooching off anybody. I'm like, yeah, but you're also not doing anything. Right. You're taking up space, so you're a mooch. So, but a billionaire would not be successful. It depends. What asset are they providing? But if they're not, like, what if they they're happy? They've made their money through industry, whatever. I don't know. I I don't have a I don't have an airtight well, example. But let's give an example. Like this person was gifted a billion dollars after their parents died, and they and they're eighteen. Okay. And they just take that billion dollars and they just build they, a mansion they go and live. they just and they live off of that. Right. And they're happy. Their income's taken care of. But they're not really providing anything to society. Right. Well, I would also say that there is six. Well, yeah. Because, yeah. I guess where my definition is flawed, in that in that case, it meets both of my criteria. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call them successful because they didn't really make themselves. Mm-hmm. They, even if it's not for society, they didn't make themselves. Their parents gave it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it was it was gifted. It gets some more of a, like, how do you get your, right. your income? Yeah. So it's you know? a very, both answers, I think, I don't think there is a solid way. Sure. Again, this goes back to what we said initially where it's it's uh, it's all relative to who's defining it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very ambiguous success. I think is if we had to define term. it, I think those are three very basic concepts that yeah. I think for me work. Sure. Because um, I think it hits all the things that I want it to. Obviously, you could argue it around them, but hits yeah. some things that I don't want it to. But it's still like any sort of value that you're providing to somebody. It's, yeah. Like the Logan Pauls of the world that just seem to somehow create content that people love. Um, whatever people love it. It, it occupies their time. Yeah. They enjoy it. They love to watch it. I'm like, cool. I can't. I can't argue with that. Yeah. So they are providing some sort of asset, and I would consider them successful in that sort of regard. I would. I would. I would have to agree too. Yeah. As much as I hate to admit it. <laughs> do you uh, do you think that that and I think we touched on this a little bit, but social media, uh, I feel like has been potentially a. Uh, a catalyst for the quarter life crisis. Yes. Because because of what we had said earlier, do you think there's any way do you think do let me put it this way, do you think social media is solely responsible for the quarter life crisis coming around? And then secondarily, do you think there's any way to um I don't know if you can say fix the quarter life crisis issue. I don't know if it's something that can be fixed per se because it's hmm. again it's such an it's an individual basis. 
It's a great question. Very person to person. I would say that social media isn't the sole cause of it, but it's a huge contributor. Sure. Because I think the other thing, too, is just social pressures. Because, again, I remember when I was growing up, um, I was going to college. There was no choice. Right. I had to go to college, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. But what if college wasn't for me? Sure. What if trade school or something was more, you know, better suited my needs? My parents would probably be like, "Woo, we can save money." Um, but what if, what if that were the case? You know, that sort of thing. Like, it, there's definitely in, in my household there were certain standards that had to be met because I think part of it was parents didn't want to be embarrassed of the child being, you know, a fuck up. You know, a lot of that stuff came out with my brother. You know, my parents thought he was a fuck up for a long, long time, and he had to deal with that sort of shit. They got slung his way, and um, you know it, it. It was tough on him. Yeah, know, be, and that was before social media too. Like my parents are like, "You're a fuck up," when it's like, "Nah, not really." He's just trying to figure shit out. Right. So that had a profound effect on him. I would say he had a quarter life crisis pre-internet. There you go. Okay. Pre-social media. Um, I think social media helps contribute to it because it's a lot easier to find people to compare yourself to. But again, it's like. It's like people brag about getting a three hundred pair of UGG, three hundred dollar pair of UGGs, and I look at that, I'm like, that ain't successful. That's stupid. That's a poor choice. That's a poor investment. They're boots. They're gonna get dirty. Yeah. I'm like, why would I spend three hundred dollars on that? Or someone's got this ridiculous car. I'm like, dude, are you ever gonna drive that anywhere? The insurance has got to be insane. The second you drive it out, I would be terrified that anything's gonna touch that car. Sure. I'm like, what's the point? That's not success to me. Owning multiple pieces of property, I'm like, okay. You bought a lot of real estate, but what if the real estate goes down? You got to pay taxes on all that sort of stuff. I'm too practical. You are way too practical. Yeah, I mean, you're buzzkilling everything. Because like, that, just because they do that doesn't mean they're not successful, though, too. No, agreed. But that's like that's not how I measure success. Sure, sure. So in different circles, what's successful is what kind of car do you drive? What kind of house do you own? Right. What sort of toys do you own? Like, those are the measurements of success. And I think those are very basic. And I'm like, no. I don't give a fuck what kind of car you drive. Right. I don't give a shit. You ride a bike for all I care, you know, and I don't care how much, what kind of watch you have on your hand, on, on your wrist. Yeah. Don't care. Don't care how much your suit fucking costs. Doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. That doesn't affect me. I don't give a shit how much you've spent on anything. That's right. not a measurement of success. That's just you. I would say it's a byproduct of success. It can be. Because I would say, to say it's not a measurement of success, I would say it is a, it is, if someone is not successful, though, they would not have been able to afford that $7,000 suit. However, based on our definition, they just have to earn their own income, be self-sustainable, they have to be happy, mm-hmm. and they have to be providing an asset or they have to be an asset to society. So they could still be successful without having to spend $7,000 on a suit. Right, but, I, but also someone who has a $7,000 suit and drives that car and has that house and yada and has the watch would it is i mean would it be easy to would it be safe to say that they are not successful like could you say cuz for you you're saying what it sounds like you're saying is that if someone has all these things doesn't mean you're successful i would argue that if they have those things it means they are successful it's not the only definition of success but it is that is a marker of yeah this person is successful I think that's that's an interpretation by society. Okay. That's putting that on there. Like if you have money and you spend money, you're successful. And I'm like, that doesn't meet our definition. You could have a ton of money and be oh, miserable. That's, that's fair too, yeah. You know, I think we've seen that countless times in, yeah. in entertainers and people like that who are, you know, Johnny Manziel got a lot of fame 
could argue was successful to a degree on the football field, but then completely capitulated. Right. You know, like there's plenty of examples of that. So while they can absolutely go hand in hand, I don't, it's not a guarantee. Yeah. Because I've seen plenty of people with money that are just dead inside, you know, and that's a real shame uh, at the end of the day to see that sort of stuff because that's what we put value in. How much money do you have? How flashy are you? I think that goes back to also the tribalism stuff too, you know, the idea of being the uh, alpha, you know, that person yeah. is going to be flashy, bravado, you know, going to a, almost like peacocking, mm-hmm. trying to attract yeah. other people to them and and things like that. So I think a lot of what defines a quarter life crisis is is social media because you're connected to anybody. Yeah. And you can kind of measure your success based on what they're posting, based on how they portray their lives and stuff like that, but also like what do we as a society define as being successful? If you had to if you had to label what us as a society deems the success what would you what sort of characteristics would you say oh i would just i would say uh social social stat like uh wealth um and uh assets wealth and assets like like what what have you materialistic yeah. stuff i would say as a society you look at someone and go cool they have a c-level position in a company they're driving this car they're driving you know they're wearing this suit they, they own have, a condo gone, they own you know a condo in the city and they own a house in the hamptons and they have you know two kids and a dog I would say that's so it, it it's it's about accumulation. Mm-hmm. I would say as as how society kind of looks at success. I think I'd also add in there a level of comfort. Yeah. You know, people there's a little there's a level of like we don't have to worry about much. Right, right. There's always going to be food on the table. Right. We don't have to hurry to get anywhere because everything's kind of taken care of, you know. We can kind of there's I wouldn't say lack of sense of urgency because that's not necessarily true, but I, I imagine like when I think of you know the common idea of success, it's like a family in a large home, yeah, with a large yard, with a couple of nice cars, uh-huh. um, nice suits, right? Um, you know, has that job status like a VP or a director or like you said a C level position, yeah. You know, where someone's like, "Wow, the title, the car, the money, the yeah, f- yeah, all those sorts of things," which I'm like. Don't care, don't care, don't care. Yeah. Like that stuff does not equate to being successful to me. Right. At all. But again, it doesn't negate being successful. Agreed. I would like based on yeah. how society judges them. Well, not even that. Like they successful people someone who is happy, gives to gives back, uh, and uh doesn't have to worry could still buy those things. It mm-hmm. doesn't negate the fact that they are have True, been successful. But people automatically assume that those people are successful based on those things. Right. Yes. So I think it's it's you see that they're like successful. I'm like, well, are they? Let's let's examine this deeper. Yeah, let's yeah. go a little bit deeper into that right, because right. people just automatically assume and sometimes it's something as basic as like, dude, check out those shoes. That dude's obviously successful. Yeah. I'm like, no. Let me also let me throw this even simplify the definition of success even more. Um bettering your position in life okay if you started one place and you ended in a in uh, but then you could what is the definition of better well i would also to keep it in a less still a vague state would be a continuous improvement mindset yes yeah somebody's always trying to get better yeah because i looked at kevin hart i follow him on instagram and one of the things he uh he posted i don't know if this was for like a shoot he was doing uh but the way he the way he positioned it on on instagram uh was um, that he, they were in, um, God, I went, my, Malibu, I think, California. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, 
my family, we're in, we're in Malibu, California. Family couldn't be near snow for Christmas. So daddy mode kicked in and I brought the snow here and he turned the camera around and in this backyard, he, there was snow. They were throwing snowballs at each other. There, there was a hill for sledding and he turned it back around and like there were people in shorts on this set. So he had, he had brought the snow there mm-hmm. and he, he made it a, a Christmas wonderland in, yeah. in this whatever backyard they were in. Now, given there was a giant uh, umbrella light, like that looks like when you're on a photo shoot or something, and there was some professional photographs that I did see that came out of that sure. thing. So I don't. I'm assuming he was. It was kind of part. It was. It was hand in hand. But I look at that and I go, Kevin Hart started as a struggling comedian f- that that came from minimal, you know. And I th- I, th- I want to say Philly maybe. Yeah. Um. And he now has the ability to make it snow in Malibu mm-hmm. for his family to give them a like that's that I would count successful because he's bettered the position that he is at a point now where he doesn't have to worry. He is very, very happy in that video. Mm-hmm. And I would say he is also giving back through entertainment. So mm-hmm. not to mention too, he actually does philanthropic endeavors too. Sure. So he gives back in multiple ways, but that, that Kevin Hart would be like someone who I would say, look, that, that is a success mm-hmm. in a very extreme way. Well, I think that's also just the common success story. It's the American success story. Sure, you came from nothing, and you and you and you made something of yourself, which is basically right. you made money. Right. And I I hate that simplistic definition of that, because obviously being a capitalistic society, we value a lot around money, right? And how much someone makes, and that sort of competitive nature, and things like that. That's also, I think, an aspect of it is competitive nature. Yeah. Because. Why, how, why else would you compare yourself to somebody? You want to see how you stack up with them. How are you doing? Yeah. Oh, they have a wife, but I have a kid, so I'm further along on this quote-unquote track that you know I'm supposed to be on. Because that's the other thing, too. Successful, what, as a family? Well, if you don't have kids, then you're not a success. Right. Okay? How so? Right. Because some people believe in that. If you can't have kids, then you're a fucking deadbeat. Right. Like, All right. Whatever. Or people choose not to have you're kids. You're not furthering the human race. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I don't know, there's there's just a lot of that stuff. And I hate that a lot of it is based around monetary or, I sound like such a fucking hippie, <laughs> around monetary or some sort of like uh, material gains. Yeah. Because I just don't put that much value in that stuff. And I've been around people like that who really value that or they value the image of perfection. Yeah. And it fucking kills me because I'm like, we're not perfect. We're not. Who cares if all of the silverware match? And it's 4th of July and we have 4th of July plates. Who fucking cares? Right. Who fucking cares if the whole neighborhood puts up Christmas lights? And we don't. And we don't. I, who gives a shit? I do. I don't know. No one cares. Get with the fucking program, asshole. You know what I mean? It's like, who cares if someone's got a jacuzzi in their backyard, but we don't. Like, that's not what this is. Like, that, that sort of, it's so easy to fall into that trap, too. Yeah. It's so easy to fall into that trap. Where you see someone that you admire and you're like, oh, that person's got these things. I want to have those things. Yeah. And if I have those things, then I'll be one step closer to being that person and I'll be successful because that's how you view that sort of stuff. And it's just so frustrating because, I don't know, I, I get really like turned off by that sort of stuff. Anyone who's very flashy with that sort of stuff, I'm like, see you later. I, yeah. I don't have time for your bravado. I don't have time. It's not me being salty about anything. It's just like, Kind of what we were talking about earlier, you know, when speaking with uh, someone earlier today, like saying the right things at the right times. Right. Like, I don't need your full resume up top. Right. I, right, need, right. I need you to list out all of your accomplishments without provoking it. Like, right, right. it's weird and it's it's off-putting <laughs> to me. 
But if like we're in casual conversation and we're talking about you know wrestling, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually got fourth in state at wrestling. It's like, wow, that is a sad story. <laughs> but you know, it's like it makes sense. It's if we like, were already talking about it, no, I'm just kidding. Like that I would was, be sad. I was just like, wow, you got fourth. Congratulations, golf clap. You know. <laughs> But it's like, you know, if, if, but if I let out the conversation with, did you know I got fourth place in state in high school in wrestling? You'd be like, okay, this person cares a lot about that. Good or, job, buddy. Hi, Doug Cochran, uh, senior manager uh, at Walmart. You know, it's like, okay, you really emphasize the senior part of it. You know, like it, people feel like they have to express that sort of stuff to, right. you know, let you know how important that is. Right. It's like, Justin Stranlin, I co-host a podcast. Uh, co-host of a podcast. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right. It's, we can really do whatever we want. Yeah. No one tells us what to do. Because yeah, it's just it's just those sort of stuff where, I don't know, I, I, I wish. I'm sorry, do you have a podcast? I'm sorry, do you? I, I listen to him. Well, you don't do it. Yeah, so. well, you probably listen to mine. That means I'm your boss. That's right. Yeah. Give me your money. Um. <laughs> It's just I don't know. I, I I wish there was less, you know, emphasis put on that sort of stuff because sure. that also fuels people to do the wrong things. Yeah. Well, then I got to get this job that maybe they don't like because I want to get blah 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 blah. And that seems very easy to fall into that trap in your twenties. I fell into that trap, and it wasn't even just about you know having stuff. It was just like I'm miserable at my job. Right. I don't make that much money, and I fucking hate my life. And all I really want to do is just be happy in doing something that I like. And I didn't know what that was. Right. So I felt like everything I had done up to that point in time was a waste of time. All the time, effort, and money I'd spent in my education. My parents spent money-wise on my education. And the fact that I'd like, you know, convinced Jill to move to Chicago because I wanted to go to grad school. And I'm like, and for what? For me to work at a fucking hotel? Are you shitting me? Right. Like, this is awful. <laughs> Because Practical Doug goes, do you realize how much time and money you've wasted? Right. Like, just, just, he's a lot cooler with it now because it actually, <laughs> that, that. He's leveled out. That, that, that bill that I pay every month for my, uh, my college, my grad school stuff, I'm like, yeah, that brought me here and it brought me to where I am today. Sure, sure, it sure. It got sure. me to the city and that's where I'm like, thank you enough for that because. Sometimes it's hard to see it. Until until you're near near the end of that journey, or until you're you're like mm-hmm. firmly in the middle of your actual, re- it's it's hard to see why you're walking the path you're walking. Like you're like, good. If I hadn't made these choices, I wouldn't be here. Sure. So yeah. because I would chalk up my grad school uh, experience as a failure. Sure. Not a success because I came here with the idea of either being a music producer or a music supervisor. Sure. I briefly was a music supervisor, and then I didn't do it anymore. So. The amount of money I spent to do that to an outcome that doesn't exist anymore, I'm like, that's a failure. But it's interesting. But, yeah, go ahead. No, I, was, I think you're going to the same place. It's like, but that failure led me on to greater things. Right. So it failure doesn't, failure does not equate lack of success. Agreed. Failure can be a building block on which success is built. 100%. Failure is Boom, not. Boom. That's your quote for the fucking episode. There you go. We're out. Failure is not a scarlet letter on your body the rest of your life. Right. It's a momentary situation where you're like, yeah, I failed. I'm failing currently or whatever, but you can rectify it. Yeah. And I would, I would stress that to anyone listening right now who, cause I have to remind myself of this fucking yeah. daily, but 
if you are in college and you're listening to this, if you're in high school and you're listening to this, uh, if you're, you know, 60 years old and you're listening to this, failure does not, you don't, it, it, it's not, it's not something shameful. No. It, it, use it and build upon it. Yeah. Because if anything, the failure can lead you on to something new. Right. Because if you learn something from it, it's so important. Right. Now, if you don't learn anything, you make the same mistake again, then that's, right. that's still not a good thing. But Get woke, dumb dumb. Get woke, motherfucker. So if you can make a mistake, learn from it, and improve on that, or improve your position or stuff like that, I think that is more valuable than anything. Because for me, I need to have some failure. Right, right. Need to have a lot in spades because. Well, you you, you said me, I things just all these things just fell into place for and you, and I knew it even while it was happening. Really, I was like, the this stuff's just kind of working. This out. is too easy. I was like, I haven't had a whole lot of adversity here, <laughs> like. I've kind of just been like, I kind of want to do this. Okay. Life said. And then finally life was like, no, motherfucker, you're going to have to work for this. Right. I was like, okay. And I worked hard. I worked a lot. And I tell you what, being in the position where I am currently, based on that, makes it all the sweeter. I'm sure, yeah. Because, absolutely. you know, Jill reflects her. She's like, you were so miserable. <laughs> to the point where she'd just be like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I'm sorry doesn't cut it. Um, like I understand doesn't cut. She would just be like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Like, and I just, I don't know what to say. I was so miserable. Well, and that, that sucks even more because at that point in time, you know, it's not that she didn't care and yeah. it's not that, uh, you know, put, put that on any, like put that in any situation. It's not like whoever that person is doesn't care. It It's, there's, there's nothing, there's literally nothing that can be said because it's such a shitty position Nothing she said could have fixed the problem. No, and that's and and but nothing else makes you feel more alone. Yeah, and that that is that's where you get into dangerous territory, is because when you feel that alone, and you feel that misunderstood, and that no one has a word that can encapsulate these feelings, no one has something that they can that they can verbalize that makes me go ah that relieves some of this you start to feel more isolated, you start to feel more alone, and that's when the dark thoughts start to creep in. Yeah, and what's crazy, too, is, you know, adding to, I could say, the success of that was I realized how the people that I worked for did not care about me or my development right. in the company. And I took that and very, that I was like, for six years I dealt with that. And I'm sure that made you feel even more alone because yeah. not, even, not even did no one empathize with you, no one was even there to... When you tried to pull yourself out of it, there was no support there. Yeah, there was a particular moment where I had an opportunity to go to a sister hotel and and do some training and like learn some impressive stuff from an impressive trainer. And my general manager fucked me hard on it. He found a way to not respond, and then therefore I was going to help with the training. And my general manager did not respond to confirm it, so the trainer went on without me. And was, he was really upset, too. He's like, I'm so sorry, but I didn't hear back from this guy. And I was pissed. I was like, why would you screw me out of this? Right, right. And I'm like, how come you didn't say anything? I'm like, it's not my job to follow up with you right. on this. I did say the something initially. The communication was between this guy and you. I'm not involved in the communication. Right. What am I supposed to do? I like, told you I was interested. Now this take guy, it run. And yeah. you just didn't respond. Right. Like, you didn't do anything. Like, what the? Like, I was so mad. Yeah. I was like... You do not care about me yeah, or what I'm doing. And I've taken that to where I am now where I'm constantly looking and talking to people. I'm like, are you happy? Are you doing what you like to be doing? 
what are you interested in? And people will be like, I'm interested in this. I'm like, cool, I'll keep my my eyes open. Right. If I see anything, I'll let you know. Right. Or I will just ask people, I'm like, what are your interests? What do you want to be doing more? Let's see if we can – you want to do – you want to help me out with some stuff? Great. I will send stuff your way. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. it's so important to have someone take an interest and help develop you. And once you start doing stuff that you love, it's amazing yeah. how that changes everything because – that's what this is all about. Just so again, something that was an obvious, like miserable experience, which I would also argue in the moment was a failure. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about how to treat people, you know, in the workforce, like how to do things wrong, like all the wrong ways to do things. Yeah. You know, and I was like, if I ever have the power, I'm not doing that. Right. To this day, I told myself, if I'm ever the big wig, the head honcho, I will never ever ask people to get my laundry to park my car right to get me a paper right to go get me coffee no none of that stuff is happening i hated seeing people at the top do that yeah. i was like that is not a leader who serves right that is a leader who is essentially just squeezing all of the privilege out of their position sure and i was like I don't give a shit if that's what you had to do. It was the same thing in fucking sports. <laughs> same fucking thing. The older, the, the, the upper class would always tell the, the like the freshman, like you got to carry all the equipment, right? Right of passage. You got to do this. Hey, you got to clean my locker because you're a freshman and I had to do it. And I was like, fuck that shit. Right. Like when I was in track in college, it was always like freshman carry the equipment. I'm like, I'm carrying my shit. Right. I would carry the it, shot puts. And I, I would carry whatever it if took. Your shit's not here. Not my problem. I was like, yeah, fuck you. I'm yeah. carrying all my stuff because that's what we do because we're a fucking team. Right. And just because I'm an upperclassman does not excuse me from doing this shit. I got so mad Doug's about that. getting heated, guys. Well, it's just, it's people are like, well, tradition says that my status equals, it means shit. Yeah. You know what else is tradition? Yeah. Slavery. And that doesn't work. Fuck yeah. So thank you because that's also where I was heading with yeah. that, you know, sort of stuff. And I just, I don't like people that take their title and use that as a shield for them to get out of doing, right. you know, shit that they don't like. Right. Now, some yeah. of it, it's like, do I expect you as a vice president of name of something to come down to the bottom level and actually do that job? No, but you should at least respect the people that do that. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Understand what they do and ask them what they need from you. Right. To help them out. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be this thing where I'm like, whoa, I'm a VP. <laughs> you don't get yeah. to talk to me. You talk to my assistant first. Right. And then you maybe get to talk to me. I'm like, fuck you. Fuck you. Right. Fuck you. Fuck you. I was like, I will never, ever probably be in that sort of position anyway. And I don't want to. But if I am. I like how you put the qualifier in there. Yes. I will never probably be in the position. Yeah. I don't know if I would want to. But if I ever was, you bet your ass I'm not. Yeah. The people that I respect more than anything right now in my life, in my professional life, are the high-powered people that will ask for your opinion sincerely or be like, I have an idea. What do you think about this? And they right. genuinely want your idea. Right. Or I had this uh, VP go through training, and he was insistent. He goes, I want to go through the exact same thing that everyone else goes through. Nice. Because I think it sets the standard that I don't just, you know, the high-level people get to come and go. No, I'm going through the exact same thing as everyone else. So you know. And I respect that guy so much more for that. That's aw That's awesome. 
because he was also he wasn't just there dicking around on his phone. He was paying attention, right? Engaged. He was very engaged. Asked questions, Trying, contributed. Yeah. And I was like looking around at everyone else in the class, and I was like, "You realize this is a VP, right? You now have a connection <clears throat> to this VP. If you ever need anything, you know his first name." Did you say that? I was. I didn't say that, but I'm just. I'm looking around at some of these idiots. That would have been. That might have been a good thing to do. I would have almost ran it by him and gone, "Hey, can I? Like, would it be possible? <laughs> we to, had a string to, of classes to make that." Like, I feel like that would be a powerful point to make in yeah. this. Would you mind? You know, yeah. Because I had a string of like three classes in a row where there were like three or four VPs in each yeah. class. And I want to turn to everyone and be like, this is a networking opportunity for you. Like, turn to your left, <laughs> turn to your right. Now, everyone look at this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See these All those guys? other people don't mean dick. <laughs> this is a fucking VP. You get him fucking coffee. What do you ask for coffee? <laughs> It's just one of those things where I'm like, you. I don't think you guys realize the opportunity right. you have to spend two weeks right. doing the same stuff with this guy. I'm assuming you guys team up in those and do group exercises too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So guess what? You could team up with a VP. He might see what you have to offer, and who knows where that could lead down the road. Exactly. He gets fully into his position. He gets settled and goes, you know what I need in my team? I need someone who can exactly. do this. Wait a second. Jeffrey was able to do that. Let me. Re- Does or Jeffrey still work here? Someone goes. I have a really great idea about something, but I don't know who to take it to. You know who I take it to? I take it to VP Bob. Right. I go over to him and be VP like, "Hey, Bob. Hey, <laughs> Bob. I know you may not be the guy that can do this, but I have this great idea. Right, who right. should I go to? Sure. Then Bob can connect the dots for you. I'm Absolutely. like, these are great things, you guys. Yeah. You can take this, but because because I've also had guys that are like disengaged, don't want to be there. Right. Like. I've got VP things to do. Mm. And they just kind of go off and do their own team thing. And I'm like, Are you going to go poop in a garbage you. can? You're going to you know, pee in the water fountain? You pee in the water fountain. Okay. Yeah, you did, yeah. didn't you? you? You know what else you should do in, in your trainings besides introduce people to VPs? A throwdown? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want two volunteers. Fight for my pleasure. <laughs> Begin. Kill each other. Um, so today's throwdown, I was going to do... I was going to continue the Star Wars theme today, mm-hmm. but at the last minute, I don't know why. Um, oh, it's because you said doing all the worst things. And I, uh, in my head, I went, all the worst things, oh, no. truth. And I was like, oh, wait. Who Could we that? do Blink-182? Uh, Verse Sum 41? Sum 41 has more people. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. The amount of... How many people do they have? They Four? Have five. They have five? And Blink-182 has three. Numbers matter. Yeah, but they're smaller than Blink-182. Which Okay, what Blink-182 version are we talking? Are we talking with Tom DeLonge? Because I do not trust that guy to do anything to anybody. Hear me out. Okay. <laughs> Play it out. So, Tom DeLonge's insanity. Oh, <laughs> um, well, who, uh, who would it be then? Blink on Day Two without Tom DeLonge is just two people. No, it's Mark Hoppus. I can never, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's from Alkaline Trio and oh. uh, Travis Barker. Okay, so let's say the three of them, and then then uh, was it Matt DeLonge? Tom who's, DeLonge. Who's Tom DeLonge. Yeah, uh, Cuckoo Banana Pants. Yeah. finds his way back in. So now there's four, oh, and one of them's nuts. Why don't we do Blink-22 versus Green Day? All right, cool. <laughs> three on three. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought same kind of music, but sure. Some yeah, 40- it's also yeah. similar music. You yeah, know, punk rock, you know, pop punk, whatever. That works. All right, all so good. let me delete this here. Some 41, because I will not remember what I'm looking at Green Day. Um, Boom. Uh, and we are going to do, I'm going to say, Tom, I'm going to say original versus original. Okay. Um, both in their primes. Both around the same age. Okay. Yeah. 
Prime Blink versus Prime Green Day. Travis Barker seems like a hard ass motherfucker. I feel like Travis Barker. You give him a set of drumsticks, and he's gonna wreak havoc on your ass. Yeah, like he seems really intense. Like, yeah. don't fuck with Travis Barker. He survived a plane crash. Like, the guy's tough. Right. All right. Now, I think it's Billy Joe. Is that the yes. guy? Yes. He's also a little bit nuts. I would agree. That guy's also been known to fly off the handle. Yes. And he's definitely got his opinions. Nuts. He's definitely got, yes. I mean, you've seen him lose his mind at certain performances. I think a couple years ago, he went nuts. He's like, you don't dare turn that clock. Because apparently they were telling him how yes, much time he had left. Right. And he just threw a tantrum on I stage. I fucking forgot about that. Yes. Um, Mark Hoppus seems like a really, he's from. He's a bass player from Blink-182. Seems like a really nice, fun-loving guy, but he also seems like the kind of guy that like would not hesitate to bash your head in, like <laughs> if, if push came to shove. Yeah, he seems like he's this very silly, silly, goofy guy. But I, I, I think I would love to have him on my team because I think he would probably do a good job. Now, where they're the weakest, that is Blink Way Two, is Tom DeLonge because Tom. Tom seems like the guy that would talk a lot of shit. Okay. But then uh, just wouldn't be able to back it up. He might get a couple lucky punches in, but I imagine because he's talking so much shit, he would get the first one to get punched out. Okay. So I don't know too much about the other two guys from Green Day, but... I I don't, but this dude right here looks like he's taking no shit. I feel like he would be the equivalent to Travis Barker. Agreed. Well, I, I've kind of like, I'd almost say like Billy Joe and Travis sort of, I don't know if they, I think you're right. That's probably the bass player. I just feel Travis like his Barker. the look of intensity on his face. Although he he's got like, he's got crazy eyes. He's got crazy eyes, but he also seems like the equivalent of Mark Hoppus yeah. here. So I feel like blink 182s down because of Tom DeLonge. You feel like that? It puts him at a, in a, Tom DeLonge puts him at a disadvantage. At a disadvantage, okay. Yeah, I just don't see him doing much, whereas I feel like Billy Joe's insanity like there's his, something that they just feel very put together. Like they uh-huh. would be surprisingly organized in a fight. Green yeah. Day would be. Yeah. Like where you just look at this picture and you're just like, oh, these guys have a plan. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Blinkway too, I think would have probably some of the best insults like leading up yes. to it. Like they would have so much great trash talking. Yeah. It would be unbelievable. Well, I also feel like this is it's chaos versus organization. Yeah. Like it, it, even though I, I you know, obviously I'm not putting Green Day in a in a uh you know, towing the line camp because sure. they're obviously about the the chaos and the the yeah. not follow not falling they're into punk. line. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, anti-establishment, if you will. Yeah, and there's but, nothing more anti-establishment than making your own Broadway musical. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you really want to say fuck you to the man, you do a Broadway, Broadway musical. That's the way to go. Um, no, but if if you just just looking at these pictures and just like the the vibes of both of these pictures, it feels like it would be like drunk boxing versus you know karate mm-hmm. you know what i mean like there's yeah there's this you don't know what's going to happen because it's pure chaos yeah versus a very very a, a team that like comes together real quick yeah and knows what each other are thinking and knows the ne- and can anticipate yeah. the next moves i think because of that i'm going to give it to a green day i feel like i gotta go green day yeah which the chaos gets you because, so far because usually chaos is what you go towards because you're like anything can happen I, I but in this case if it was if they were a little stronger in their chaos <laughs> like yeah. I feel like they're not chaotic enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they would spend more time trash talking than acting. 
and it feels like these guys would just cut. Green Day would cut right to the point. They would like get into some sort of formation, exactly. Like out of yes. anime, yes. and be like, and like ready to go. As almost they'd have as coordinated attacks. They'd had prepared for this. Like yeah. one day we're going to have a throwdown challenge. Exactly. And when Green Day approaches us, we need to immediately go into attack formation. They say one like they start calling like Billy Joe starts calling out formations and right. attack modes, and Liquid Two's like, what? 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 Yeah, and there's yeah. like punch, kick, throw, bam, and like they're all just like, oh my god, they're organized. They're organized. Ah, we didn't expect this. Oh my god. Run away. Yeah. yeah. So I'd have to give it a green day. Green day for the win. Green day for the win. Green day for the boo, win. Boo, 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 boo. Which is huge for you because it's, you're a say, giant Blink fan. A very big Blink 182 fan, so that was hard. It's is it But it's w- also because Tom DeLong sucks ass. <laughs> Really disappointed in that guy, mostly because he recently went on the Joe Rogan podcast and made a complete fucking ass out of and himself. And went even more cuckoo banana pants? Well, part of the thing is, he's a part of this <laughs> stupid-ass organization, which I don't even know what it's called, and I don't even say, don't even bother bringing it up, but he was just basically talking about how aliens truly exist, and he knows because he met with some shadow government operative who looped him in, and whenever Joe Rogan would question him, he would be like, oh, well, I can't talk about that. Well, I can't tell you this. Right, that's or the thing I, can't I think tell pisses me off the most. It's like, fuck you. What do you mean? You're going to bring it up, but you can't say shit. Go In a later yourself. episode, he was uh, Joe Rogan was talking to Mick West, who is a professional debunker of conspiracy theories. Okay. And they kind of ragged on him a little bit. Like, Joe Rogan goes, you know, I didn't even feel like I, I people got mad at me afterwards because they said I didn't confront him. He goes, I felt like it was so stupid I didn't need to confront him. Like the stuff that he was saying, you're like, well, obviously this guy is an idiot. Yeah. So I don't feel like I need to hold his feet to the fire because he, what he's saying is so stupid. Right. That I don't need to do anything about it. Like he did it to himself, guys. I didn't really need to step in here. Yeah. It was yeah. just really upsetting because it seemed like he was hawking his book. Tom DeLong was hawking his book, was hawking this organization and just making up a bunch of bullshit. And the conversation, I couldn't even get through the episode because it was so frustrating. Yeah. Because the conversation did not flow. Because it, it seems like it's really easy to talk to Joe Rogan. He is probably one of the best conversationalists I've heard in a long time because he asks, it's such a weird give and take with him in in, a, yeah. in the best way. Like, yeah. it's an effortless give and take. Because he'll say something, he'll talk for a while, and without even prompting, the guest will just jump in. Yeah, and it's a very weird how he just elicits. He pulls. It depends that from on them. the type of guest. Like obviously, if it's someone he knows really well and has a rapport with, they can go back and forth. Sure, but sure, if it's someone sure. like Megan Phelps, the granddaughter of Fred Phelps from the Westboro Baptist Church, exactly. Yeah, cousin of Michael, and he just lets her talk about how she left the church. Right, and he lets her tell her story. Just go. Yeah, he kind of helps guide it and ask questions and stuff like that. Then he's got his comedian friends on. They're asking questions like, "If you live to be eight hundred years old." And you fuck a 50-year-old, is that like fucking a kid? You know, they have a good time talking that stuff. So it's easy to listen to Joe Rogan and have a conversation. That conversation was so stunted and disjointed that it was infuriating to listen to. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was like, this is a slap in the face to how this program goes because Tom tried to control it, but then he wouldn't go where everyone wanted him to right, go. Right. You know, oh, I can't talk about that, or I'm not allowed to talk about that. Yeah, or, go fuck yourself. And Joe, and my favorite thing was like, <laughs> Tom's like, so... You know, I was asking all the right questions, and then someone told me to meet them at an airport, you know, in this area over here so that we could talk about it. And he told me that there's aliens and they really do exist. And Joe goes, all right, let me get this straight. Some shadowy government agent reaches out to you, Tom DeLong, the lead singer of a band, very well noticeable wherever you go, to meet at a public place like an airport where there's thousands of people that go around every day, and he told you right there, out there in the open, that aliens exist. He goes, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) 
just right, he's like, right. why why would they reach out to you? Well, because I'm so connected socially. I have a way of getting the word out the way that they want. He's like, the fuck are you talking about? Why right. not just send out an email or a, a Facebook post or a tweet? Or why not, and no offense, why not go after someone who is more well-known? Because Tom DeLonge, as famous as he is, ain't that well-known. Not anymore. Not anymore. Like he, There are definitely people, bigger people, that they could fucking go after. He's known as being a crazy person. And right. He's also not trustworthy because he's left the band twice. Which is the perfect person to go to. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it was just really upsetting to, to listen to that. So. Anyway, so that's, guys, that's why he fucking hates, yeah, yeah. That, there was that little diatribe. Rawr. <laughs> so, Justin, got anything you want to promote? Um, anything you want to recommend? Oh boy! Uh, I if you un, more than likely have read something about it or heard about it, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't watch it. I'm not saying it's good or bad. Maybe go watch the Dave Chappelle specials <laughs> and just see what you think, because I've I've seen and read some interesting or heard and read rather some interesting stuff from. Uh, both people who liked it mm-hmm. and people who very much did not like it. And it's it's a very – it's just interesting. It, I would say it's interesting. So uh, he's got two new specials out on Netflix. Um, one of them is more your traditional stand-up like, uh, theater set. And one of them is more uh, what seems kind of free-thinking uh, conversation to a smaller intimate comedy club. Uh, very interesting to watch both. I'll say that. Cool. So – uh, I'd recommend a documentary on Netflix called Hired Guns. It's essentially about uh, the music industry okay. and all these guys who are essentially like music mercenaries who get hired to either go on tour or step in and be session musicians. Ah. And it's really cool. If you love music. Very cool. Check it out. You learn a lot about these guys who, especially on these older records that you love and stuff like that, were yeah. actually either singing and or playing the guitar on some of your favorite Tracks. Really, and also what it takes to be someone like that. Because you've got to be able to go seamlessly between genres. You got to be yeah. literally the best of the best. Wow! Because if you aren't, they can find someone else that can step in. Who's and do ready to go? Need. Yeah. And they talked about the guy who filled in for Metallica when yeah. the base for Spaces died. Yeah. And that guy showed up and essentially was like, "I'm ready to do this." Like, was it and, Jason? Someone, Jason? Um, I can't remember. That's and, gonna drive me nuts. He, it's like they talked about that. They, I mean, these guys that are just like tremendous and phenomenal, just musicians all around, and uh, it's it's a really great fun. Newstead, Jason Curtis Newstead. Um, I think that's who you're talking about. I think so. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, you realize that Billy Joel was kind of an asshole, uh, at least from the hired guns perspective. Billy Joe or Billy Joel? Joel. Oh yeah. The the pianist. Yes. Yeah. There's some guys that he had as hired guns for a while that would record the albums and go on tour and then from their perspective he kind of turned into an asshole at some point in time. That ain't good. So um yeah, check that out. Hired guns, it's worth a watch. Right. I really enjoyed it, especially if you like uh music and are interested in that sort of stuff. I can dig it. Dig it, y'all! I can dig it. Damn. 2018, you can dig it! Uh, you guys can find us on Facebook. Look for our page there, Mind Gap Podcast. We are also on Twitter at Mind Gap Podcast. And Justin exists in the digital realm. There's a website called justinstrandland.com that has things on it. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It is the fun way of spelling it. While you're in the online realm, check us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, and now on Spotify. Uh, We would absolutely adore it. Just 
adore it if you would subscribe to us and leave us a review. If you're going to do one over the other, subscribe to us. <laughs> and leave us a review. Don't choose one. Do both. Because that's awesome. Make it a New Year's resolution. Subscribe and leave a review. There you go. If you're going to make one New Year's resolution, what you what it needs to be is that you're going to subscribe and review us on one or Real all easy. three of those, thing, those platforms. You can do that in like five minutes. Right. I mean, or less. Or less. It depends on how fast you move. I don't know. Yeah. If you hunt and pack, it'll probably be more like 10. There you go. But if you're a moderate, mm-hmm. you know, typist, then, you know, probably five, maybe less. I don't know. I'm there just saying. I don't know how fast you work on the computer. Stop asking me. I don't know, guys. I love you regardless. I'm sorry. I don't know, but we do love you regardless. Also, yeah. com slash mindgap and com slash the best bar podcast ever. We're on hiatus for one more week while Milo celebrates his heathenistic Christmas, and then we'll be back. Very much looking forward to it. Yeah. So, guys, get out there. Be successful. Whatever that means to you, just don't be a douchebag. Yeah. Mind Gap Podcast.